Good evening. You're on the air with Mike on the mic. This is Mike Hazichek, and I love my Catholic faith. And today, we're going to be talking about the importance of being married in the church. But first, let's start out with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you to thank you for all you have done and continue to do in our lives and marriage. Lord, we come before you on this day, Father, asking for a stronger bond of unity in our marriage covenant. Lord, we pray that you will give us the power to be a united front for you, letting nothing come between us. Assist us, God, to identify and work through everything that is not pleasing to you so we can continually attain higher levels of unity in our marriage spiritually, physically, and mentally. Father, we are thankful and happy to see the work of your hands as we try our best to find your grace daily. We love you and thank you for all of these things. Amen. And let's say one other uh, one. And this this is a prayer for marriage and family that was uh, written by Pope John Paul II. St. Uh, Pope John Paul II. In the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from your every family in heaven, and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of a woman, and through the Holy Spirit, fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shine, shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weakness and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercessions of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. Through Christ our Lord, who is the way, the truth, and the life, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So this weekend, my wife and I celebrated our 46th wedding anniversary. So this topic is kind of near and dear to my heart. Uh, let's look at some statistics on marriages. And these are really interesting. And, and they're kind of all over the map, but... Uh, they point in, in one direction, and, and we'll kind of get the themes out of this. So today, 46% of marriages end up in divorce. Catholic marriages had declined approximately, now get this, 69% over the last 50 years. Let me repeat that. Catholic marriages have declined approximately 69% over the last 50 years. And that's in spite of the Catholic population growing over that time frame. So the sacrament of holy matrimony has been in an uncontrolled crash for over the last 50 years. And today, many of our kids and grandchildren are not being married in the church. Destination and novelty ceremonies outside of the church are becoming the norm. You know, it's like, how outrageous can you be? Where can you go that's really cool? Um, and, you know, the church is kind of on the outside. And, and you know, it's not even in consideration. It's, it's you know, how can I make this thing like entertainment? 
is what it really is turning into. And the focus, you know, is just on entertainment versus faith. So when I was growing up, divorce was not considered a norm. As a matter of fact, it, it was frowned upon in most cases. In today's society, multiple divorces are common. Family structures can become very complex. So let's look at some of the statistics, you know, more statistics. So when you rank, you know, how many people are married in different religions, this is interesting. 66% of Mormons are married. 60% of Hindus are married. Uh, 56% of Jewish uh, are married. Evangel evangelical Protestants, about 55%. Jehovah Witnesses, 53%. And Catholics, at only 52%. So Catholics on the list are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, sixth on the list. That's, that's pretty pathetic. You know, and, you know, let's talk about attending a religious service. If people are married or divorced and separated, 60% of them usually attend religious services. If they're widowed, it goes up to 71%. And if they're living with a partner, it goes down to about 43% may attend a religious service. And then there's a Pew Research uh, Center analysis of census data, and this was back in uh, 2019. And roughly 4 in 10 adults, ages 25 to 54, or 38 percent of them were unpartnered. That is neither married nor living with a partner. And this share is up sharply from 29 percent in 1990. So men are now more likely than women to be unpartnered, which wasn't the case 30 years ago. So there's some big changes that are happening, you know, with regard to marriage and, um, you know, just people even being married in a church. And so all the growth in the unpartnered population since 1990 has come from a rise in the number who have never been married. That's another interesting tidbit. And among adults ages 40 to 54, there has been a significant increase in the share who are unpartnered from 1990, 24%, to now, which is 31%. Um, well, not now, but, you know, to 2019, which is what the survey results came from. So here's a really interesting statistic. There were 426,000 Catholic weddings in 1970, the year 1970, which accounted for about 20% of marriages in the U.S. So 1970 marked the beginning. This is what's interesting about it. 1970 marked the beginning of the decline in Catholic marriages. So there was a significant decline, particularly between 2000 and, uh, and in the year 2012, whereby the church wedding weddings dropped by 40%, and it's continued even if adjusted for the couple of years of COVID. So in 2020, and this is the last good data that I could find, Catholic marriages numbered 97,200, but COVID had an effect on that, obviously. So you'd have to go back and adjust for COVID to see what a normal year would be. And there, there are like estimates, 21 and 22. And I, I don't know why that, why I haven't seen the hard data on that. But a lot of times when the data starts going the other way, some of these entities stop tracking it as closely. 
Um, but in any event, um, 148,000 would have been a more normal estimate. But that's still down 278,000 marriages. So you're talking um, 426,000 down to 148,000. That's a huge drop. It's just, it's like unprecedented. I mean, and, and this is happening pretty quickly. Um, so why is this happening, particularly in the Catholic Church? Well, there's a whole myriad of reasons, but let's focus on a few. Number one is the new theme that's out there, me, myself, and I. It's all about me. What makes me happy? I need to have new and exciting to keep me interested. That, that's one of the big problems we see, uh, particularly in people falling off in, in faith. It's, it's an attitude like a job. If I get bored, feel unchallenged, or disgruntled about something, I can leave and find another job. Same thing with my marriage. I'll just find another partner. I need to be happy and satisfied 100% of the time. That's kind of what you know, statistics are telling us is, is going on now and, and what we see behind those statistics, rather, in, in some of these surveys. It's that instant gratification drives my life. That's what people do. They want instant gratification. And, and we're used to that. You know, we get, you know, that, that's why we have the Internet. You know, we can find things instantly. You know, in the old days, um, you know, people could, you know, people couldn't look things up very quickly. You had to go to a library. You do some research. You know, now it's like you just Google it, look it up, and, you know, it may be right because the Internet has got all kinds of crap on it. But... Um, in any event, you know, that, that's what's so different about today, you know, and, and the other thing is, you know, my kids will understand that we're just not happy, you know, that's, that's the attitude a lot of people have. I can manage them on a part-time basis while I pursue my happiness. And number two, it's like I'm not getting into this marriage with the idea that it's death do we part or in sickness and health. So I'm in it for pleasure and fun and I'll find something else. If that, I don't get that. You know, things change over time, and if we grow apart, I need to part company. So I may need someone who's younger or more energetic down the road, that kind of thing. And, and it's okay if I have an affair with someone who else while I'm married. It, it won't affect the kids if they don't know about it, and we'll keep, we'll keep, it'll, we'll, it'll still keep me in the household. Another attitude that's common these days as well. Um, you know, or, you know, I made a mistake in getting married and I, I did not sign up for that mistake. You know, that's another issue. It's it's like when things things start to get tough, you know, the, the tough get going, but the t people aren't tough. <laughs> they walk. Uh, number three is catechesis. I never hear the priests talk about divorce or the importance of being married in the Catholic Church. Um, you know, that's that's true. You know, there are people, they say, well, you know, th they don't talk about it anymore. Years ago they did, but we don't hear very much because nobody wants to offend anybody. This is this is the Church of Mercy. We don't want to we don't want to offend anybody and and tell them what sin is. You know, I got to take my hats off to the priest at my parish. Uh, this is about several weeks ago. He basically came out and he said abortion is a sin. It's a mortal sin, and I had heard a, heard a priest say that in years and it was I took I, you know I felt like standing up and clapping uh, I was so inspired by him saying that you know people have that attitude what does it matter whether I get married by justice of the peace or in the church as a matter of fact the church through the synod on synodality is talking about welcoming 
divorced and remarried, including letting me discern whether it was right or wrong, and maybe even receiving the Eucharist. So it can't be all that bad. That, that's the attitude we're seeing now through what's being displayed in the church on the synod on synodality. You know, none of it's about, you don't hear them talking about Christ. It's all these other issues about, you know, we haven't been welcoming. I, I got to tell you, I, you know, I don't know anybody who's not welcome to come to my parish and participate at Mass or sit and listen to it uh, to experience what a Catholic Mass is. You know, they're all welcome. And, you know, I, I, think, I think we're fabricating issues, just like, you know, we are in the secular world. Um, you know, people think, you know, why do I need to raise my children in the Catholic faith? Let them decide what religion their spirit leads them to. That's a real common thing today. You know, it's the spirituality. You know, let, let my kids find themselves, you know. Well, kids need direction, and that's what parents are for. And, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not a parent to be a friend of your kids. You're a parent to be to give them guidance and, and maturity and, and lead them, you know, to a, a, a life of holiness and the salvation of their soul. That, that's, what, what's, that's what our job is. Or, you know, you hear people, you know, it's like everyone at my church gets up every week and receives Holy Communion, and my priest never makes a comment about it. So it really doesn't matter what I do. It's all forgiven anyway. And that's the truth. You know, I think if I was a priest, you know, and I saw that happening at my parish week after week, I think I'd stand up at some point in time and say, you know, this isn't how it works in the Catholic faith. Um, you can't receive the Eucharist unless you're in the state of grace. And, you know, I'm not getting uh, very long lines at confession, so there's something wrong here, and we need to talk a little bit about, you know, what we're supposed to do as Catholics. And I think that's important. That gets back to the catechesis, you know. Because people say, you know, why do I have to go to marriage classes or meet with the priest for counseling before I get married? What does he know about marriage? Why go through all that when I can just get married outside of the church and bypass the hassle? That's what a lot of people think today. You know, it's like, hey, go to marriage classes? Are you kidding me? I don't have time for that. You know, what's a priest going to teach me? You know, that's the attitude a lot of, a lot of people have because that's how they're brought up in the family. Not, they're not really taught the reverence and respect. And how important it is to go and to do that. I mean, you know, that's what we did back in my day. And, um, you know, I'm here 46 years later, and my wife and I uh, just celebrated our 46th anniversary, and I think all that was helpful. So, you know, you got to work at it. Um, you know, and, and, and the other attitude people have is, well, you know, I'm going to get married by the Justice of the Peace now, and, you know, I can always get married in the church later. Um and, and that later never comes. We know that, that that's, that's what ends up happening. The secular media sure bashes the Catholic Church and its morals and values. Why would I want to be married in the church? What do I gain or lose? You know, it gets all, it's always this trade-off that people have. You know, it's like, what am, I, what, am I going to get anything out of that? Well, you're going to get a lot out of that, and we're going to talk about that in a, in a couple of minutes here. You know, with the attitudes uh, I just walked through, you know, it's no wonder why we have had that significant fall-off of people being married in the church over the last 50 years. So, what does Scripture tell us about marriage? Well, let's go to Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9. It reads as follows. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and, he, and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two flesh, two but one flesh therefore what god has joined together no human being must separate 
So, so this is a covenant, not a contract. A covenant is an oath of kinship and an exchange of selves. It is greater and more binding than a contract. And, and notice it says what God has joined together. You know, um, you know, we are making a covenant with God and our spouse and our commitment of marriage. This isn't a circumstance of having a trial period. And if it doesn't, you know, suit our fancy, we just walk away. This is a covenant. This is why we get married uh, in the church. Um, and, you know, uh, when you take a step back, you know, we can even look at um, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. What does that teach us about marriage? Well, let's go to uh, section or paragraph, rather, 1601, where it says the follows. Where it says the following. The matrimonial covenant. Now it says covenant, right? We just talked about what a covenant is. It says the matrimonial covenant by which a man and a woman establish between themselves a partnership of the whole of life. It is by its nature ordered toward the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. This covenant, again it says, this covenant between baptized persons has been raised by Christ the Lord to the dignity of a sacrament. So it's the sacrament of matrimony. It's the sacrament of marriage. This is so important. Um, all the sacraments come from the body of Christ. We've talked about it on this radio show. And then we go to paragraph 1617. It says the follow, following. The entire Christian life bears the mark of the spousal love of Christ and the church. Already baptism, the entry into the people of God, is a nuptial mystery. It is so to speak the nuptial bath which precedes the wedding feast, the Eucharist. Christian marriage in turn becomes an efficacious sign, the sacrament of the covenant of Christ and the church. Since it signifies and communicates grace, marriage between baptized persons is a true sacrament of the new covenant. And then finally, let's go to uh, paragraph 1615, and I love this one. This unequivocal insistence on the indissolvability of the marriage bond may have left some perplexed and could seem to be a demand impossible to realize. However, Jesus has not placed on spouses a burden impossible to bear or too heavy, heavier than the law of Moses. By coming to restore the original order of creation disturbed by sin, he himself gives the strength and grace to live marriage in the new dimension of the reign of God. Let me repeat that again. By coming to restore the original order of creation disturbed by sin, he himself gives the strength and grace to live marriage in the new dimension of the reign of God. It is by following Christ renouncing themselves and taking up their crosses that spouses will be able to receive the original meaning of marriage and live it with the help of Christ. Again, and live it with the help of Christ. This is what the sacrament is giving us. This grace of Christian marriage is a fruit of Christ's cross, the source of all Christian life. Wow, is that profound and beautiful. You know, we need to reinforce marriage in a church with our children and grandchildren by living out that example in our own lives. 
being respectful, responsible, and loving to our spouse, making sure the family understands how strong that marriage commitment is, making that marriage God-centered. In other words, you know, if, if we're always pursuing secular interests and we're never God-centered, you know, how do, we, how do we maintain that strength and that grace within that covenant of marriage? We should be conveying how powerful and important that sacramental grace we receive from God is when married in the church and how it is the glue that holds the marriage together and makes it resilient. Wow, that is so true today. That's what we need. We need to encourage all our loved ones to be married in the church. Insist that your children are married in the church. This may sound mean, but the, but don't help them financially with the wedding unless the bride and groom are being married in the church. That's something that we have control over, A, if they live in our household, and B, if we're contributing to that uh, wedding event. Also, too often today we see kids dictating and, and controlling exactly what they want to do with their parents open, openly financing the endeavor, even if they are not in agreement. And that, again, gets back to, I want to be your friend, not your parent. Um, priests also need to preach from the pulpit the importance of being married in the church. The priest also needs to talk openly about the church's position on divorce. You know, avoiding sensitive topics does no one any good. That's, that's why we've seen 50 years of reverence going down the tubes, because we're, you know, a lot a lot of the clergy have gotten away from talking about sensitive topics because they don't want to turn they think they're going to turn somebody off well you know what what you're doing is if you don't is you're you know you're allowing them to sin and you're not trying to correct them and you know all that's going to add up and that and that's what you see people start to walk away they're not hearing the truth when people hear the truth they'll come that's what people want to hear you know that's why there was so much more reverence you know, 50, 60 years ago, you know, things have changed now. And, and you know, uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And that's what I think we're seeing. Um, this is all about the salvation of souls. That's the primary mission of the church, summed up in four words, the salvation of souls. Since marriage is a sacrament, the Catholic Church requests that it be celebrated within a sacred place, which is the church. That is why we celebrate weddings in the same building that we celebrate the sacraments of baptism, Holy Communion, and Reconciliation. Doesn't that make sense? And the sacrament of marriage contains within it a recognition that God is central to the marital covenant, and we need God's grace to live out this beautiful but often messy and difficult sacrament, right? Marriage is not easy. Everybody, you know, it's like, you know, People, when they're young, they're in love, and they get married, and, and, then, and then all the problems come, you know, financially and health and everything else, and, and, and you know, you need that grace and that perseverance to maintain that and to get through all of that. And you, know, you get that through the sacrament of matrimony, and that's the grace that you get from, the, from, from, from Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. You know, it gives spouses the grace to love each other with the love with which Christ has loved his church. The grace of the sacrament thus perfects the human love of the spouses, strengthens their indissolvable unity, 
and sanctifies them on the way to eternal life. That is actually comes from the Council of Trent, uh, 1799, DS 1799. So, um, you know, I think it's really important that, uh, you know, we get married in the Catholic Church. And I think we need to encourage our children, our grandchildren, our loved ones, our friends, acquaintances. This is, we need to get back to it. You know, we had 400 and some thousand uh, marriages in the Catholic Church in 1970, and now we're down in 100,000. And, you know, there's a reason for that. And we talked a, a little bit about some of those reasons. You know, there's just not enough time on this radio program to cover everything, but I think we hit a lot of the highlights. And, you know, I think it's 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 really important aspect of our Catholic lives and, you know, is, is to embrace those sacraments. And, you know, being married in the church is going to be real powerful long-term for a marriage. And I think we need to encourage our children. We need to bring them up and, and pound in their, you know, you know, into their hearts, you know, and, and, and say, hey, you know, this is what you want to do. This is what you want when you're, when you're ready to get married and uh, find somebody who's going to share that with you. And, and that's part of the deal. And, and that's what's really important. And with that, um, we'll see you next week. God bless you. Have a great week.